The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. If you'd like to call into our program today, use our toll-free number 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send an email, the address is leah at comebacktoyoursenses.com. Now, here's health and wellness specialist, Leah Brenda-Smith. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and thanks for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. You can find me on the net at leahbrendasmith.com or on Facebook at Come Back to Your Senses Radio or Leah Brenda-Smith. And if you uh, would like to send me a personal email, my address is leah at comebacktoyoursenses.com. So welcome in here today to our user-friendly yoga show. I, um, I thought it was a good idea to try to demystify this um, magnificent discipline. And um, my intention really is to bring you some information, some education, to really demystify it in terms of bringing the simplicity of yoga, bringing it in a way that no matter what your previous experience is or if you have no previous experience, you'll have a better idea of what yoga is all about and some options or choices in terms of the different varieties of yoga. There are so, so many uh, varieties of yoga branches and offshoots and as teachers um, have mastered their own programs in terms of um, staying with the discipline and becoming certified as instructors in a specific practice or discipline, I think, um, as is more common these days, folks tend to then, um, from their own practice and guidance and wisdom, uh, they're able to put together things or they, they feel guided by what they're learning to um, develop uh, their own style or develop something that would be... Um, Initially, maybe unique to them, but um, we find uh, as we go round and round the circle with one another in life that there is um, definitely more similarities than differences, and and things seem to come around. Just a slightly different focus or a different approach, but everything is really based on the basic postures, if you like. When we bring the idea back to yoga itself, and and. Yoga is amongst the oldest known health practices. It has great, great benefits in terms of reducing stress and lowering blood pressure and regulating the heart rate. Very, very healthy, healthy habit to take up. And the literal meaning of yoga is a yoking or union. 
Yet the term describes a variety of practices. All of them have that focus of unifying the body and the mind. Now, more often, and especially the way that we associate and are familiar with yoga in the West, we know yoga to be a discipline or a practice that involves a series of stretching postures, mostly, and then breathing exercises and meditative practices. And with all of this, yoga's attempt really is to calm the mind, to tone the body, to create a state of balance, to promote health, vitality, and peace of mind. And certainly with that list of benefits, it sounds like something that um, everyone would want to find a way to practice in some way. Yoga can be as simple as breathing exercises, as simple as standing intently with a focus and a purpose to have your spine erect and to be balanced and still and focused. And also on the other extreme, yoga is something that has been practiced by masters and yoginis and people have devoted their entire life to the practice of this discipline. So the word yoga means union in in Sanskrit. And this is the language of ancient India where yoga originated. And we can think that really this union is really occurring between the mind, the body, and the spirit. And what's commonly referred to as yoga can be more accurately described by the Sanskrit word asana, This is the part of yoga that refers to the practice of physical postures or poses. And as I mentioned, in the West, we mostly identify with yoga in terms of the the practice, the physical practice of postures and poses. That's generally speaking what people know of or, or think of when they think of yoga, thinking that it's about stretching. And certainly that is a great part of it. But it really is about creating balance in the body through developing both strength in the body and flexibility. And this is certainly done through performing different postures and poses, and each of them have physical benefits. The poses can be done quickly, one after the other, which certainly creates heat in the body through movement. Or they can be done slowly, which would help to increase stamina and perfect, if you like, the alignment of the posture. And in yoga, alignment refers to the precise way in which the body's positioned in each of the postures. And the focus on this is to obtain a maximum benefit from the pose and also uh, to avoid injury. So each of the yoga styles has its own approach to the idea of alignment. In many modern methods of yoga, props are used to help the students get the best possible alignment. And the poses are a constant throughout all the different yoga practices, but the approach to them varies depending on what tradition you're following. 
And just as a as a little example of that, some of the styles of yoga are focused more on what the posture looks like on the inside, so where the individual is focused internally. And other yoga practices are much more, there's much more of an emphasis on what the posture looks like on the outside, so what the alignment is with the body and how the body is actually posed. Yoga is an eight-limbed discipline, if you like. And asanas, which are the physical postures, are just one of the eight limbs of yoga. The majority of the other seven limbs of yoga place more emphasis on mental and spiritual well-being, more so than on the physical activity. Again, in the West, though, the words asana and yoga are often used interchangeably. Now, just a little bit of the history here. According to the Yoga Sutras of Pantanjali, one of the ancient texts that is often cited as a source for the philosophy behind yoga, they refer to those eight limbs of yoga. And the Sanskrit word for this is ashtangas, So each limb or each ashtanga relates to an aspect of achieving a healthy and fulfilling life. And each limb builds upon the one before it. And it's only one of the limbs of yoga, one of the ashtangas, that actually involves the performance of the yoga postures. So to better give you a feel and an understanding of this discipline, let's just go through a brief description of the eight ashtangas or the eight limbs of yoga. And please excuse my pronunciation if it's not quite great. I'm not versed in Sanskrit, but I'll do my best to to uh, pronounce the words. As we begin this, to understand that Yoga sutras are thought to have been authorized or authored, if you like, by Pantanjali around 20,000 CE. And although the yoga sutras themselves, they make little mention of the asana practices or performing yoga postures. But they are often cited as the philosophical basis for the modern posture in yoga. So the first limb is the yamas, which consist of five ethical guidelines or moral directives. And these are intended to guide the practitioner's behavior towards others, so how they treat others. So the first limb, the first ashtanga, is the yamas. And there are five of them. So the first is ashma, nonviolence towards others. And this yama is often referred to when people are choosing a vegetarian diet, they're aligning with that idea of nonviolence towards others. It's ahimsa, excuse me, ahimsa, nonviolence towards others. And then the second yama or discipline for how to treat others is satya, which is truthfulness. And then asta. They are not stealing. Then brahmacharya, which refers to chastity. And this one is open to interpretation as to whether brahmacharya means celibacy 
or simply the idea of controlling one's sexual impulses. And then the last yama, which is about, the yamas, remember, are about how we interact with or treat others, is aparagraha, which is about not coveting. So those are the yamas. And then the second limb of yoga is the niyama. And these are the behaviors that describe how to act ethically towards yourself. The yamas are how you act towards others. The niyamas, how you act towards yourself. And then together, the combination of these two were meant to be a guide to help one live a moral lifestyle. So the niyamas, to care for yourself, are satcha, which is cleanliness, santosha, which refers to contentment with oneself, tapas, which is about sustained practice, svadhyaya, self-study, and isvara, pranihana, which is about surrendering to a higher power. And that's the second limb. Then the third ashtanga, or third limb of yoga, is the ashna. And this is the practice of the yoga postures that we're most familiar with when we think of yoga. And just to give you a little bit of a sense of this, in in earlier times, in the time of Pantanjali, the word asana meant seat. And any practice of postures were put in place with the intent of helping the students to be able to maintain seated postures for long periods of time for the purpose of meditation so that the students could sit still in meditation. And then the development of what is now practiced as modern yoga postures, that came about much later on. So the initial focus was on being able to sit for long periods of time in meditation. And so the asanas, the physical postures and poses, are the third limb. And then the fourth is the pranayama. And pranayama is the practice of breathing exercises, which certainly go hand in hand. To later or lesser degrees, there's specific focus on the pranayama breathing exercises in the different types of yoga. Then the fifth limb is pratyahara, which is about withdrawing from your senses. So the idea of this is that the exterior world is not a distraction from the interior, interior world within yourself. So that's pratyahara. Then the fifth limb of yoga is the Gaharana, and that's concentration. And this really is referring to the ability to focus on something in an uninterrupted way. So you're not distracted by external or internal things. Then the seventh limb is Dhyana, and that is meditation. And this builds upon the previous one, the Dhyana. 
harana, the concentration. And the idea here is that the concentration is no longer focused on one single thing, but during meditation it's the idea of the the uh, concentration being all-encompassing. And that the last limb, or ashtana, of yoga is samadhi, or bliss. So this builds upon the meditation, the dhyana, the transcendence of the self through meditation, and the merging of the self with the universe. And sometimes people translate that as bliss or as enlightenment. So this gives you a little bit of an idea of the foundation or the basis of of yoga and the idea of it being a, a seven, um, excuse me, an eight-limbed um, uh, discipline or practice. So it maybe makes more sense through the understanding of this how in uh, earlier times it would be common for uh, yogis or yoginis or, or masters to devote their life to this discipline and to this practice. Now, no doubt people have heard about uh, yoga being good for you. And maybe you've tried it and discovered that it makes you feel better. So a regular practice can um, offer all kinds of goodness in terms of mental and physical health benefits. And some of the benefits, like improved flexibility, are obvious. Now, other benefits, including mental clarity and stress reduction, may not be as obvious, but they are certainly just as powerful. So when you put it all together, then, the following benefits contribute to an increased feeling of well-being, and that can explain why it is that people, once they get involved with yoga, can find it something they want to go back to again and again because of the, the great feeling and benefits that come. So I'm going to break the benefits down into the physical benefits, mental benefits. And the idea of flexibility would be the first in the physical benefits. So the moving and stretching in new ways helps you become more flexible. It can bring greater range of motion to the tight areas. And over time, you can expect to increase and gain flexibility you know, in your, the places where people are normally tight, the hamstrings down the backs of the legs, the back, the shoulders, and the hips. Because certainly as we age, flexibility naturally decreases. And this is what it is that can lead to the pain and the immobility and the stiffness in the joints. So you do it, being involved in the practice of yoga can slow this process or even help you maintain a good level of flexibility while you age. Strength is another great physical benefit. As many of the poses require that you support your weight, the weight of your own body in new ways, including things like balancing on one leg or supporting yourself with your arms and holding poses throughout several cycles of breaths. And this will help you really to build your strength. And then there's muscle tone. So a byproduct of getting stronger is that you can expect to see an increase in muscle tone. Yoga helps to shape long, lean muscles. Improvement in balance is one of the really important benefits of yoga, certainly as we age. And poses or postures where you stand on one leg for more advanced students and inversions, like a headstand, are great ways to build core strength. 
Then there's the joint health. So people with arthritis often see marked improvement in their pain and mobility with regular gentle yoga practice. And it's great for pain prevention. Anytime you have that increased flexibility and strength, it can help to prevent some of the causes of back pain. You know, a lot of people that have back pain spend a lot of time either sitting at a computer or driving in the car, and that causes that tightness and and spinal compression. And yoga can help to stretch these things out. And then there's better breathing, which is going to give you lots of good physical things, physical benefits, because most of us take shallow breaths, and we don't really give much thought (laughs) really about how we breathe. But the yoga breathing exercises, the pranayamas, focus the attention on the breath and teach us how to take deeper breaths, which benefit the entire body. And there's certainly some types of breathing that can help clear the nasal passages, which would be helpful with people that suffer with allergies. And these breathing exercises can also calm the nervous system, which has both physical and mental benefits. So that's the physical uh, benefits of yoga. The mental benefits, certainly the calmness. You know, the asana or posture practice is quite physical, and concentrating so intently on what your body is doing has the effect of bringing calmness to the mind. And yoga also introduces you meditation techniques, such as watching the breath and how to disengage from your thoughts. So these skills can prove to be very valuable in intense situations when you're not on the yoga mat. Like if you're uh, experiencing insomnia or you're intensely worried or you're experiencing anxiety. And then stress reduction is a huge, huge, huge benefit. You know, all types of physical activity are good for relieving stress, and that's particularly true of yoga. And it's because of the combined concentration that's required. So, you know, the daily things that come up, whether they're large things or small things that tend to come up, there's a great opportunity to have them just sort of melt away while you're on your yoga mat. And this can give you that much-needed break from daily stress. And oftentimes, too, can help put whatever you're feeling troubled by in perspective. And because of the focus, the emphasis on being in the moment with yoga, you can learn better in terms of not dwelling on past events or anticipating the future. It helps you build that muscle of being in the moment. And then, of course, the body awareness. You know, Doing yoga will give you an increased awareness of your own body. And sometimes in the class, you know, the instructor may help you make small adjustments to improve your alignment, improve your postures. And over time, this helps you to increase your own level of comfort with your body. And also, it helps you to become more aware of what your postures are, what you're doing, how your body's feeling. So this can lead to overall better posture and even a greater sense of self-confidence. Now all the studies show that yoga significantly improves flexibility, balance, muscular strength and endurance, 
And these things certainly give you the ability to exercise longer as well. But yoga also helps control your physiology, such as blood pressure, respiration, heart rate. And it helps to speed up your metabolism to help you maintain a healthy weight. So there's lots of different styles of practice. So if stress reduction is your goal, then a more restorative kind of class would be good. But if you want a tougher workout, then an Ashtanga approach is a good choice. But really, in the beginning, deciding that you want to start doing yoga is the first step. So what you want to do is pick a type, and a little bit later we'll go through some of the different types of, uh, of yoga to get, give you a sense of what these are. You want to pick something that suits you. Often for beginners, it's suggested that, that Hatha yoga or Vanasa class would be most appropriate. And then depending on whether or not you want a slow fa- pace or a fast pace. But these are basic styles, and you can always start with one and then choose something laughter. Experiment. Some people are versed in several different styles of yoga. I've certainly um, tried a few myself. So there's lots of uh, online resources to help you find a class. And obviously, if you pick something that's close to your home, it makes it easier, more convenient for you, and you know how great of a difference that can make. Uh, when you uh, participate in something that's close to home, it's easy to, easier to get there. A lot of the gyms offer yoga classes, and even uh, businesses and um, companies that are offering that through their wellness packages. So you may, uh, you may find that uh, your workplace offers yoga, and maybe you didn't know it. Or maybe you did know it, and um, you just need a little bit of encouragement to go and check it out. So you don't really need to worry about what to bring on the first class. Just bring yourself, and, and um, most studios either have mats or have yoga mats that you can rent. So just to give you a, a sense of a sort of a, gen, a general comment of a typical yoga class, you know, the students go in and they place their mats facing the front of the room, and it's best not to line up exactly or too close to the other person because sometimes you're bringing your arms out or your legs out and then you uh, will have enough room. Often people start the class while they're waiting for it to begin. They'll start by just sitting cross-legged on their mat and waiting or doing some gentle stretching. And then often it's common that teachers will start the class chanting OM three times. And there may be breathing exercises or a short meditation at the start. And then followed by warm-up poses. Then some more vigorous poses and stretches, and then a final relaxation. And then uh, generally people would just, the teachers would end the class with another round of ohms. And it would not be uncommon for people to feel just a little sore the next day after class, which is fine and dandy. It's um, just a good indication of having worked uh, muscles that maybe you're not used to um, paying attention to. And then if you don't have access to yoga classes in your community, you know, there's great books and videos available. Now, obviously, they're not a great, they're not, they don't substitute learning directly from a a teacher in a class. 
But if you can't get to a class, then you could start with beginner yoga videos. It can give you more visuals than trying to follow a book. And there's even a good program, um, a good uh, uh, program on the Wii Fit for yoga. So really, as a beginning student of yoga, if that is the case, I'd encourage you to not feel overwhelmed by uh, all the yoga postures, because there's lots and lots of yoga postures. And um, as I mentioned earlier, even just starting with a standing posture and some breathing and just uh, focus and concentration is a good way to get you started. But as you practice and your practice progresses, then you know you'll feel more comfortable to get involved with more of the challenging postures. But there's good basic postures um, for beginning yoga and. And rather than going through the postures themselves by name and trying to describe, you know, um, on an audio uh, approach, trying to describe a posture, I'll just go through describing the types of postures rather than the individual postures. So there's standing poses. And I'm going to explain things from the beginner's point of view because we're trying to give a sense of user that yoga is user-friendly and that although some postures that are more uh, advanced can be quite complex and quite pretzel-like, if you like. Um, There are many postures in the beginning um, with yoga that are easy to practice, that everyone can do. And uh, the standing poses are, they're usually the most strenuous for beginners, but they're often done first in yoga class because they build up the heat. So in the types of uh, yoga that are focused on flow, uh, then the standing poses are strung together to form longer sequences. Then in the Hatha yoga classes, the standing poses may be worked on individually with rests between the poses. And in a few minutes, we'll get into describing the different types of yoga practices. So there's standing poses, and then there's balancing poses. And these are an important way for you to be able to build that core strength that's necessary for um, the more advanced poses that and postures that come later on. And, you know, the balances may seem difficult at first, but you'll find that you can improve markedly with regular practice. And I found for myself with the balancing poses that really the key to them is not so much focusing on the balancing itself, but just focusing on concentrating, just bring, bringing that sort of single-mindedness of focus to the practice. And it's surprising, that coupled with the sense of elongating your posture, so kind of stretching tall as if you're reaching your crown up to the ceiling, that those two things can really increase um, your ability to do the balancing uh, uh, postures. That's what I've certainly found, is I tend to focus more on focusing. And the these standing postures or balancing postures build strength, obviously, for your legs and for your core, and then also give more flexibility in the lower body. 
And then there's postures that are about back bends. And now, sometimes in the beginning, these can be uncomfortable. And we're not used to stretching or moving in these ways that the yoga postures put us in. But you can just start with gentle flexion and extension of the spine. And really, these back bends and this is really essential for spinal health and longevity. So the forward bends, the back bends, and the twists in yoga, they all work on strength and flexibility of the spine and the pelvis and then all of the surrounding muscles. And then there's seated postures. So these stretchers are often done towards the end of the yoga class after the body is warmed up. And the seated poses stretch the hips and the hamstrings. And in some practices, in some uh, styles, they'll place folded blankets or blocks underneath you. And that's a good way to make yourself more comfortable in these uh, postures that can make them easier. And then there's resting or supine poses. And it's important to get to know your resting poses. They're an essential part of the yoga as well. And these poses... They help also with the hips and the handstrings. And all of these seated poses are gentle, like the back bending ones and twisting. And they really give a good opportunity to, to be in that sense of relaxation within the pose. You're not focused on trying to hold your body up like in some of the other poses and postures. So this just gives you a sense of the different types of poses. Standing, balancing, back bends and forward bends, seated postures, rested postures. And as I mentioned, there's many different styles. And there's, there's more styles and approaches and practices springing up all the time as teachers get more versed and as teachers actually learn a variety of different types of styles themselves. There's a lot more of this uh, um, melding together of different practices and, and making new approaches to yoga based on a collection or combination of, of several different disciplines or de- several different um, Uh, practices or traditions and so that's becoming more and more common i'm going to focus on some of the the generally generally speaking more common uh, practices that people would be more familiar with Uh, the list just goes on and on in in terms of all the new types that have have sprung up even in the last handful of years and it's good, though, to remember that regardless of which style you're using or hearing about or practicing or experimenting with, that they're all based on the same types of physical postures and poses. And some of them would, uh, across the board would have similar names to them. They may use the same names and other ones may have created new names for them. But most of the postures are very, very similar. So we'll just give a quick orientation to some of the popular types. 
So hatha is a very general term that can encompass many of the physical types of yoga. So if the class is described as a hatha style, it's probably going to be slow-paced and gentle and provide a good introduction to the basic yoga postures, which we certainly need in the beginning. And the hatha yoga describes any of the physical practices of yoga. So remember, it's an eight-limbed practice, and the asanas are the, is, the, is the aspect of yoga that involves the postures and poses. Hatha is Sanskrit, and it means forceful. So the physical yoga postures must have seemed forceful compared to the other more subtle practices or the other limbs of yoga. And over time, Hatha has emerged and with that sense of of being more forceful than the other limbs. But these days, really, Hatha is most often used to describe gentle, basic classes with no flow between the poses. So the Hatha... Classes are likely slow-paced, stretching classes with simple breathing exercises, and often seated meditation. So this is a good place to learn beginner poses and relaxation techniques and really become comfortable with yoga, really the basics, the foundations. You know, many people try the Hatha class and love that relaxed feeling. Yet others, for others, it's too slow and meditative for them. So if you're more inclined to something that's a little more vigorous than the vinyasa, which is a term that's used to describe, again, many different types of classes, but vinyasa means breath-synchronized movement. And this tends to be more vigorous. So it's based on going through a series of poses called sun salutations, where the movement is more specifically matched to the breath. And vinyasa class will typically start with a number of sun salutations to warm the body up for more intense stretching that's done towards the end of the class. So vinyasa is also referred to as flow because of the continuous movement from one posture to the next to the next. And the vinyasa's uh, approach, the strength is in the diversity. So there's no single philosophy or rule book or sequence that teachers must follow. So there's lots of room for that individual um, approach. And then we have the ashtanga and power yoga. And the Ashtanga, again, is the eight limbs in Sanskrit. And this Sanskrit, and this is fast-paced, and it's an intense style of yoga, the Ashtanga and the power yogas. And they're based on a set of series of poses that are performed always in the same order. So the practice is very physically demanding, and because of the constant movement from one pose to the next, the emphasis is on daily practice. And that, again, the Ashtanga is also what's inspired what we're hearing more and more about the power yoga, which is based on that flowing style and keeping strictly to a set or to a series of, of um, uh, postures and movement. 
So this would uh, um, this type of yoga would appeal to people that um, are looking for something vigorous, and people that like that sense of order and to like to do things independently because they can learn the series and then practice easily on their own. And then Iyengar is based on the teaching of uh, Yogi BKS Iyengar. And this style is highly focused on body alignment. So what the posture looks like on the outside. And it usually emphasizes holding the poses over longer periods versus moving more quickly from one posture to the next. And the Iyengar practice incorporates the use of props such as yoga blankets, blocks and straps in order to bring the body into alignment. So this is a a kind of yoga that's appealing to more advanced students who want to work on their alignment and really focus on the meticulousness, if you like, and the technique. People um, that are uh, drawn to that would appreciate this type of yoga and the subtle movements in the body that can uh, really uh, bring greater alignment. Okay, and then there's the kundalini yoga. And the emphasis in kundalini is on the breath in conjunction with the physical movement. And the purpose is of freeing the energy in the lower body and allowing it to move upward. So all of the asana practices make use of controlling the breath. But in kundalini, the exploration of the effects of the breath the effects that the breath has on the postures is the main focus. And again, the breath, also called prana, or breathing exercise, pranayama, is a part of this. And the kundalini exercises are also referred to as kriyas. So kundalini is one of the more spiritual types of yoga. It goes beyond the physical performance of the poses, The emphasis is on breathing, meditation, chanting, and mudras. And the mudras are gestures that are usually done with the hands. And these help to direct and focus the yoga pose or meditation. Like when you press your palms together in the prayer position, it's called Anjali Mudra. Now the kundalini sequences can be physically intense. So this type of yoga will appeal to people who are both mentally looking for a mental and a physical challenge in the, in the yoga. And then there's the Bikram or the hot yoga. So Bikram, as far as I know, it was the first that I certainly became aware of. Bikram was the first of the hot yogas. Um, and it's practiced in a room that's about 95 to 100 degrees. So uh, this allows really for loosening of tight muscles and also for lots of sweating, which is certainly thought to be very cleansing. And the Bikram method is based on a set or a series of 26 poses. But not all of the other types of hot yoga classes use that series. So that would be, the Bikram would uh, appeal to people who are looking for an intense, focused, hot yoga workout. And then there's Kripalu. And the Kripalu is a gentle Hatha yoga practice. And it's a compassionate approach. The emphasis is on meditation, physical healing, 
and what the posture looks like on the inside, so the spiritual transformation that can then overflow into your daily life. And in the Kripala Yoga class, each student learns to find their own level of practice by looking inward. So the classes usually begin with breathing exercises and general stretches, and then followed by a series of poses and final relaxation. So the the Kripala Yoga is really appealing for people who want to work on themselves both physically and spiritually, and really like a gentle and individualized approach. So this would be a good choice for students who can benefit from an adaptive practice, such as people with arthritis or seniors or people that are carrying extra weight. And then there's something referred to as integral yoga. Integral yoga. And this is a gentle half a style of yoga, and it's based on ideas and principles of Sri Swami Sahadananda. And he was seeking to give his follower guidelines on how to improve their lives in attempt to integrate the mind, body, and spirit. So these types of classes in the integral yoga, they would include pranayama, the breathings, the chanting, and the meditation, as well as the asanas or the body postures. So the integral method, it's called that because it tries to integrate the body, mind, and spirit and to give you tools to live peaceful, healthy and joyful life. And so this type of yoga would appeal to people who want to address their whole life, including the physical, the spiritual, the intellectual, and even interpersonal relationships. So the classes tend to be gentle and particularly non-competitive, and the teachers are usually extremely knowledgeable. So the focus isn't so much on getting the postures exact as some of the other more meticulous yogas are. And then there's the restorative yoga. And it makes use of props to support the body, to help you relax into your poses over the course of several minutes. So the idea with the restorative yoga is to stay in each pose long enough to encourage that passive stretching. And there's seated forward bends and gentle back bends and twists. And these are some of the examples of the type of poses that can be adaptive to be restorative with the addition of prompts, uh, like um, blankets or, or pillows. So this approach would really appeal to people that are looking for a relaxing style of practice that can leave you feel open and refreshed. And then the yin yoga. So generally speaking, the majority of the Western practices are very uh, yang. So lots of movement with emphasis on stretching and on the muscles because the muscles are yang. And the connective tissue like the tendons and the ligaments are yin. So the yin yoga is, um, there's more sitting for meditation the, those types of practices are more yin. And this practice then addresses that 
more gentle use of the body. So the joints like the knees and the ankles, which can be fragile and easily overstretched. And the body contains the joints. And then in the pelvis and in the lower spine, we're naturally much less flexible. So it's the joints really in the yin that are primarily uh, addressed. The focus is on that. And the, the postures are held for longer periods of time. So you focus in on the posture and then you just keep relaxing into the posture and settling deeper and deeper into the posture. And then the chair yoga. Chair yoga really is a way to make yoga accessible to everybody. So people that have trouble standing for long periods or people that have trouble sitting on the floor. And then these postures are adapted to incorporate the support of a chair. So this is really great for senior citizens or people with mobility issues. So then if you're really new to yoga... Here's just a few tips that can help you get started. And the most important thing is to ask questions. So when you don't understand something, ask questions. The things to wear for yoga are pretty simple. Generally speaking, people don't wear shoes. If you see um, something, uh, occasionally you might see people wearing a sock or a shoe, but that would be because of a medical condition or an injury. Generally, people do yoga in their bare feet. And although there's lots of different types of yoga wear, um, mostly people wear pants or shorts. But you don't need special ones. Just anything that's loose and comfortable would be good. Things that are stretchy are really great. Lots of people wear stretch pants even or sweatpants. And with your shirt, it's better to wear something that's a little um, tighter fitting because the baggy shirts can get in the way and they can slide up and down when you're doing your, um, your even your basic postures. And so all you need really is a mat. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, if you don't have a mat, a lot of the studios have mats or you can rent mats. And um, if you're doing the hot yoga, you want a water bottle. Um, if you're doing other types of yoga, just drinking before and after would be fine. So as a general comment, you don't want to eat a heavy meal. You know, certainly a snack, a light snack an hour or two before class would be fine, but not a heavy meal. And warming up can be um, really important. Um, you can do that yourself or... In all your classes, the beginning postures and the beginning movement will be a a warm-up. And then some people just choose to practice at home. You can go to a class and learn some postures or go look on a video or go on YouTube or go and find some postures and even try practicing at home. That would be fine. And even if you go to a class once a week, then to carry on with your practice at home is really important. So you want to stay positive. You want to look and listen. You know, don't need to get distracted by things. You want to stay positive even if you're having difficulty going into the postures and try not to judge yourself. We all have to start somewhere, no matter what it is that we're practicing or what it is that we're doing. You want to be mindful of that for yourself. 
and trust your judgment. You know that yoga is an individual practice. No one else is inside your body. So you're the best judge of what you can do and what you can't do. And if you stay with it and just go gentle with it, you'll notice week by week that your body becomes more flexible and you're able to go a little more deeply into the pra- into the postures. But to be mindful, you're the best judge of whether or not um, something is um, uh, painful in a way that you're stretching too far and you would be better to ease off. So... Part of the whole practice of yoga is about listening to your own body and respecting what your body tells you about it. That's a really important part of the practice as well. And again, as I said, feel that sense of, you know, staying positive. And and if your instructor comes around and adjusts your posture, feel good about that because that's part of your learning curve. It's not a, a criticism or a judgment about you, but the instructor's there to help you. So you want to take that... Uh, Take that as a good support. You know, even a few minutes, even five minutes of of simple stretching can make a difference to your health. Moving your muscles slowly will relax and loosen them. And that allows for better blood and lymph flow, which can restore your body and renew your energy. And that lymph fluid in our body is filled with white blood cells that go to the areas of the body that need repair. And because the lymph doesn't have a dynamic pump like the heart does that pumps the blood, we're able to assist the flow of the lymph fluid, you know, those white blood cells that repair the body. We can assist that through a practice of deep breathing and stretching. So learning just even the basic tools of yoga, some basic postures, some basic breathing and basic focusing, and just doing a little bit every day can really change your life for the better. So even if all you're doing is the deep breathing and you're connecting to the center of yourself and finding a moments of peace, that would be fantastic. Is through a personal yoga practice, you can assist in healing your own body. And once you learn the techniques, once you learn some of the asanas, some of the postures, you can use them and receive a variety of benefits from yoga for the rest of your life. So it's a really great, a great practice that way. You can do a little, or you can be on the other end of the spectrum and do a lot. And no matter where you are, where you sort of slide into the spectrum with yoga, there's great benefits to be had. Anytime we take the time to focus on our health, to focus on our body, to focus on our mind and focus on our spirit, there's always great benefits that will flow into all the other areas of your life. So you want to remember that yoga is not just about the time that you spend on the yoga mat or doing some postures, or doing some meditation, or some breathing techniques. But the idea really is about how that changes your body chemistry, changes your state of mind, changes your level of consciousness. And with regular practice in anything that makes those types of changes, then the benefits of that start to flow into other areas of your life, that you may find that you're more fluid in your life, 
more fluid at work, more fluid in your relationships, more fluid with your family, and more fluid even in your experience of what you might call your downtime or your time when you're able to just focus on activities just for the pure joy and pleasure of it. We want to remember that. We often drop that part of the day out. Somehow we, oh, another day went by and we didn't fit in some time for just deep enjoyment. So yoga is a a big practice and there's lots of room for you to slide in wherever it is that's appropriate for you. Start somewhere and then grow from there. It's been a a pleasure to speak with you about yoga today and try to make it a little more user-friendly for you. And as always, I'm your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and I thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy your life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.